Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Welcome all of you watching online. Let's stand to our feet today. Raise your Bibles up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, you're going to be remembering this for a lifetime. That one little confession of faith that I believe in the Bible, and it's going to work in my life. We've been doing a series on heaven, so if you turn your Bibles to John chapter 1, we'll begin there in just a moment. The idea of the series on heaven was to, first off, introduce what we believe to be the reality to come, which there is a heaven, there is a hell, there is a battle between good and evil, God and the devil, there's light and darkness, there is a battle not just for our life, our physical life, because we're all going to die, but there's a battle for the destiny that was born in you when you were born. And one of the ways that we uh, introduce uh, Jesus, or not introduce him, but uh, yeah, introduce him to the world, is through the glimpse of heaven. The book of Revelation, uh, oftentimes, when I was a kid, was one of those scary books. You know, whenever my mom would drag me and my two brothers to church, and, and the pastor would say, tonight, turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation, I began to panic immediately. You know, I mean, there's just a lot of things in the book of Revelation that just kind of were a mystery at that time, and, and there's still some mystery to it. However, uh, in college, I studied uh, this, uh, this wonderful book and, and was introduced to a lot of things I didn't know. And, but the things that were introduced to me at that time that made a huge difference was uh, throughout the book of Revelation, there's a lot of hope. Now, there, is a lot of, there are a lot of things in there that are a little frightening if you don't know Jesus, but... If you were wanting to know Jesus to me, when I, when I saw things like streets of gold and walls of gems and, and, and gates of pearl and Jesus being the sun, there would never be sickness, never be sorrow, none of those things again. Uh, that really intrigued me and it really made me have a, a desire to someday uh, take up residence there. And yet at the same time, I didn't see much of a way for that to happen. Uh, I was taught very early on that, uh, you know, most of the preaching wasn't about God and it wasn't about Jesus, though they were in the sermons. Most of the preaching I heard was about me, about us, about mankind and how uh, our righteousness was as filthy rags and that, you know, that God was really this evil dictator in heaven that was really just sitting up there waiting for the prime moment to judge the earth and all mankind. And so yeah, I didn't get real excited about church. I didn't get real excited about God. I, I didn't get real excited even about heaven, though I was 
uh, kind of hopeful in moments that maybe there was a chance that, that I could go to heaven. And uh, so then when I finally did get saved, um, I really became a strong believer that, you know, I had this obligation to introduce my friends to Jesus. Now, as I've studied and prayed and began to study this weekend, this, this new thought came to me, and it may seem petty to you, uh, and it may seem insignificant, yet I think it's very powerful, and it was a real revelation to me, even though I've kind of lived my life this way in the last 10, 15 years, which is that we're really not supposed to introduce people to Jesus. We're supposed to introduce Jesus to people. And there is a significant difference because of this, that Jesus already knows everyone. <laughs> so I don't need to say, hey, uh, Jesus, this is my brother, John. Jesus goes, I, I know, I created him. I, I knew him before he was ever born, while he was being put together in his mother's womb, uh, Psalm 139. You say, well, that, that's really not different. It is different because the reality is I'm not introducing sin to grace. I'm introducing grace to your sin. And there's a difference because the Bible says where sin abounds, grace does more abound. And that people are really more moved by who God is than who somebody else is. We need to know who Jesus is because Jesus, quite frankly, knows who we are, every detail. So the idea now is how can I make Jesus known to people in my world, in my circle, in my sphere of influence, because that's what's really important, is that people are really looking for a savior. They're looking for something that can change their life or someone who can change their life. And, and so we go around trying to introduce them to Jesus. And not that that's a bad thing, but, but what I really want to do, I want to introduce Jesus to them. So that means that I have to know who Jesus is to me. So when I was a kid, Jesus was judge, he was dictator, he was ruler, he was authority, and he was all those things that if I looked on earth and tried to say, well, he's these things, then he, I remember my, my sixth grade principal who gave me swats, and not that I deserved them. I lived in a day where if you went home and told your dad that you got swats, and you didn't do anything wrong, my dad's response would be, well, you probably deserved it for all the things you didn't get caught doing. Nowadays, if you go home and, and you tell your parents you got swats, they're suing the school. It's not the right crowd. <laughs> so anyway, when we introduce Jesus to people, we have to first say, who is Jesus to me? Is he judge? Is he jury? Who, who is Jesus? Well, to me, he's Savior, he's friend, he's Lord, he's love, he's light, he's life. That's who he is to me. So if he's that to you and you have someone living in darkness, someone living in doubt, someone living in fear, guess what? You've just brought hope to their situation. But if all you can do is look at them and say, you need to change. You need to meet Jesus or you need to come to Jesus. I'm just going to tell you something. That scares lost people. Now, some of y'all got born again in the crib. Greatest sin you ever committed was indulging yourself or over-drinking milk. You've not done anything bad in your life. 
I get that. But then there are those of us that are different say, man, I, I don't need to come to Jesus' meeting. You know, because the thought is, I'm going to be judged, I'm going to be criticized. Now, we go to John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And life was the light of man. That life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. Verse 7. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light. So John precedes or becomes the baptizer, the one who would point people or point Jesus out to people. So his focus was Jesus. His focus wasn't even about bringing the multitudes. The multitudes came because he pointed out Jesus. His focus was Jesus. That has to be our focus. Every one of us have loved ones that have, have passed away or that are not doing well. And you're wondering and questioning their eternity and what about and all of this. And our focus becomes them instead of saying... What if I just live Jesus before them? What if I talk Jesus up in front of them? What if I live my life in such a way that they are attracted to who I am and how I live? Now, all of a sudden, I pique their interest instead of pointing to their sin. Because the fact is, most of us know when we don't do right, when we don't do good, most of us get it when we sin. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, most of us, I knew when I was not living right that I was not living right. The problem was I didn't know how to get right. I was expected, I thought this was all about me, all about my change, all about me doing everything. And the reality is it wasn't about what I did or do. It's about what I believe because if you believe, you will start living the way you believe. So it's about getting a belief system in people, and that begins by pointing out a Jesus that is who he is. Now, a lot of people get mad when you don't preach mean, you don't preach sin hard, you don't, you don't condemn people, you don't tell people how to live. I want to tell people how to love and how to be loved because love never fails. Love is what changes things. Love is what moves us to a different place. I am not capable of change without the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I can change some little things, but the reality is I have a unique personality, as do you, have a unique thumbprint. We have our own unique challenges. All of us in this room are not near as sweet as we often present ourselves. Now, I want to be kind to everyone, and I really try. And then there are people who are trying when I'm trying to be kind. It tries me. It tries you. You have neighbors that way. Bible says love your neighbor as you love yourself. Sometimes it's just hard to love your neighbor because you don't love yourself. And, and the love of God is what compels people or draws people. And it goes on to say, He came to testify concerning the light so that through Him all men might believe. He Himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Let me tell you why I believe the world didn't recognize him. 
because the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the legalists of that day had taken ten commandments and turned them into over 600. And so because of that, everybody looked to God through sin. Everybody looked to God through the law. Everybody looked to heaven, if you will, in through the filter of their own effort to get there. Nobody was introducing God to mankind. Mankind was introducing the law to man, hopefully to introduce man to God, but it was the wrong picture of God. God is love. God demonstrates grace and mercy. God shows himself in ways that our humanness disallows when we live our own life our own way. And so it's very difficult for me to introduce somebody to Jesus, but it's very easy now for me to introduce Jesus to somebody. And this is a flip. This is something we have to grasp. John is pointing to Jesus in this most critical moment, 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's called the intertestamental period. 400 years when man did not hear God. It was as though God didn't exist in a certain way. And so now all of a sudden John comes on the scene after all of the years, thousands of years of, of, of sacrificing animals and people trying to get to God. All of a sudden in this moment, God shifts it and said, you know what? For a couple of thousand or four thousand or six thousand years, however many you want to make it, uh, mankind is trying to, be, trying to reach God. Now all of a sudden God says, I'm going to change this because this is not working. I'm going to bring Jesus to earth to reach man. That was the whole flip between the Old Testament and New Testament. All of a sudden, God says, I'm going to do what y'all have not been able to do. And I'm going to send my only son to reveal who I really am. And John points to him. And it says, he, who was, he was in the world. They didn't recognize him. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but they did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. Now, the challenge with this is that sometimes our passion, our desire, our insecurities get in the way of introducing Jesus to people. Now, let me tell you what dogma does. For instance, if I go to a certain church or denomination and I really like the denomination, and one of the reasons I like it because it speaks to the things I'm not, not the things I could be. Now, I'm not saying every denomination, I'm not saying every church. In my case, it spoke to what I was not instead of what I could be. In other words, you're not doing this right. You're not doing that right. You're not here when you should be. You're not saying the right things. You're not singing the song the right way. I felt very condemned. Maybe that was my fault. Maybe it was my problem. Nonetheless, I felt that way because it, the Bible says the gospel is good news, not bad news. So most of Christianity, even today, as in the Old Testament, addresses more of the what's in life instead of the who in life. The what's is what you're not doing, what you are doing, what you're doing wrong, what you're, you're short on, what you're, all of the, the things that it's about us. The who, in this case, becomes God or Jesus. Our focus is on the who. Let me give you an example. 
This last week, I spent about 45 minutes on the phone with a very good friend of mine, great Christian man, who does enormous things for the kingdom of God. And he was telling me that his 30-some-year-old daughter, never been married, loves God, incredible worship leader, great people, uh, met a man who she immediately fell in love with. He fell in love with her. The family knows him. Great guy. Okay? There's one caveat that that in the Protestant movement that oftentimes we get hung up on is where you go to church, what's the name on the outside of the building instead of what's the name written on your heart. Now, I'm going to irritate some of you because th this has been an irritation among Protestants is this man's a Catholic, okay? So he's telling me the story, and, and he wants to get married in the Catholic church, and so that means she has to go through some hoops to get there. And many Protestant-type people have an issue with the Catholic church, so he's talking to me about this, and I said, well, it sounds like to me we have an issue of what instead of an issue of who. I said, is he a Christian? He said, yeah, he's a Christian. He's, Jesus is the Lord of his life, yada, yada. I said, then what's the problem? Because we have the who, then what? And then people said, well, you know, they do this, they do that. You know, look, man, don't ever disrespect Jesus' mom. Yeah, thank all 15 and a half of you. We've, we've made battles that are not the right battles. We've fought fights that are not the right fights. You see, if somebody tells me they believe in Jesus, I, I mean, I love everybody anyway. I mean, I, and some churches really love the lost more than they love people who are trying to not be lost. Because now we want you to behave like us, right? So the reason we have religion is because I have insecurities about what I believe. And so I gather with people who believe just like me because that way I don't have to really challenge my own belief system. Which reading the Bible challenges my own belief system every week. I go, man, I didn't see that before. I didn't see that before. I didn't. And can I believe that? When I, this revelation came to me about introducing Jesus to people instead of people to Jesus, it kind of rocked my world because I cut my teeth preaching on the streets of New York City in the Mardi Gras. That's where I would go. I mean, I, I, you know, churches wouldn't have me. So I just built my own platform. And I would find myself in New York City. I would be there about every month. And, 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 and I, we, we were in Harlem. We were in, I, wherever I could go. And, then, and, and so now so I'm trying to introduce people to Jesus. And, and, and I'm thinking, I'm not sure I did the right thing. Now, I'm not saying it was a sin. I'm simply saying that, that I don't think now it was what I really uh, the attitude with which I did it was more about, I'm going to point you out, you need God, instead of saying, you know, I'm going to point you out, God wants you, and God loves you. Amen. Now, all of a sudden, I hear something. People go, what? God loves me. God wants me. Instead of, you need God, you're a wreck, you're a heathen, you're a dog, you're a scoundrel, you're evil, you're mean, you're an idiot, you're going to hell. Thump, 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 thump. Now, all of a sudden, I start telling people, let me tell you something, God is madly in love with you radically in love, so in love with you that he looked at his son one day in heaven, seated at his right hand, he said, what do you think? Do we wipe him out and start over? Jesus goes, no, 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 no. What do you want to do? Can you see the game, the strategy, the conference room of heaven? And Jesus saying, I believe in them. I believe in them so much that I'm willing to go. What do, what do you think, Daddy? Can we do this? Ooh, goosebumps. And Jesus comes and reveals who God is for the first time in history. He reveals who God is. 
a God of love, a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God who is ever reaching out. Now, Jesus at his right hand, the Bible says, ever interceding for mankind. We've got a world that is dying to be loved. Literally dying to be loved. Dying without hope. Looking in the mirror every day at their sinful life, as most of us do, and look and go, why did I do that? Why did I say that? What was I thinking? I'm never good enough. And looking in that mirror day after day, and you believe your own sin instead of believing in the cross that took care of your sin. Why? Because we're trying to deal with man instead of accept God. Receiving God, accepting God, believing God that His cross was greater than our crisis. As a result of that, we live our lives battling out of our insecurities. I want you to believe exactly what I believe. And so we preach doctrine instead of the Bible. We preach what you're not doing to be right with God. And the reason your life's going to hell in a handbag. And, and you know, you need to straighten up. You need to change where you, uh, uh, uh. Instead of preaching, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. That's a picture that the world needs to see. That's the image that mankind has to see for them to ever want to step foot Inside a church where at some point in their life they were condemned, beat down, and made to feel like a worm. Now, if you need to go to a church that beats you up a little bit, you ain't going to like us. We don't throw down. We lift up. I just, I don't know about you, but I don't want to do Thanksgiving with mean people. We're thankful, God, we're heathens. We know that. We're grateful that we can gather around this table with a bunch of heathen family members. Thanks, God. We're hoping that one day some of us get to go to heaven. We know some of these people around here are going to hell, but, you know, Uncle Bob, he didn't stand a chance. He's just, you know, he is what he is. One man wrote, we are not judges called to judge people. We are not the jury called to read the verdict we are not lawyers called to argue we are witnesses called to give a testimony that's all we are you don't have to judge somebody you know you are your brother's keeper in the sense that i'm called to love my neighbor it doesn't say i'm called to judge my neighbor it doesn't say i'm called to condemn my neighbor it says i'm called to love my neighbor and then the question is, who's my neighbor? Remember that question? <laughs> and Jesus had to go, everybody, basically. You're called to love everybody. And love never fails. Love never fails. And that's the picture of Jesus introducing Jesus to people. Our testimonies are built to give people hope. Message Bible out of uh, Proverbs 13, verse 12 says, Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick, but a sudden good break can turn life around. Ignore the word and suffer honor, uh, or and suffer. Honor God's commands and grow rich. In other words, 
People are suffering because they have no hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Guess what? We've got to breathe on people's hopelessness. My son, uh, Joseph, in, in L.A., he's in one of the toughest fields. He's in the music industry, and he's been out there five years. And he's, he's helped produce some great music. But you know what? All, everybody wants, wants it for free. So he called me the other day, and he said he just was a little down. He said, Dad, I need some advice. I need some counsel. It was a couple days ago. And I, just, I, I could have easily said, son, just, just come home and, you know, just get a job. And, but I know what's in him. And I said, Joe, let me just tell you something. You're one of those guys. You may feel like you're sleeping in a car one night. I said, don't ever give up on your dream. I said, I can name a list of people that slept in their car, and today they're famous and successful. I said, Joe, live your dream, son. I said, you're going to make it. You can do it. Don't ever give up. Be the one out of ten that stays and, and, and goes for it. Just, I just wanted to speak hope over him. Now, selfishly, I'd love him to leave La La Land. I'd love to see my son more often, but this is not about me. This is about him. This is about encouragement, about blessing people, encouraging people, and, and, and just letting God be God and just introducing hope to them. That's what it's about. You know, sometimes people just need a word of encouragement. Just They just need somebody to breathe on their life. Be the voice crying in their wilderness. That's what John the Baptist says, a voice crying in the wilderness. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repentance is not a bad word. When we say repent, people say, well, I'm a sinner. No, it says turn. Heaven is near. All you got to do is turn. Turn in the right direction. If you keep looking in the same direction, you don't like what you see, turn. Repent. John the Baptist is crying in the wilderness. Y'all haven't liked the way things have been. He said, repent or turn. The kingdom of heaven is right here in the person of Jesus Christ. Turn. Sometimes if you're going the wrong way, you're saying the wrong things, you're doing things that are not contributing to your life. Change it. Repent. Turn. It's a mayor of a very small town, a very proud man. And he was asked during this last recession how it had affected his town. And some people think, well, I just got to tell the truth. Well, he did. He put it this way. We don't have a recession here. But I will admit we're having the worst boom we've had in many years. <laughs> I love that. It's just not right where it has been in the past. But we refuse a recession. We believe in hope. We believe in God. We believe that things are going to turn around. We believe this is a moment in time. Don't build a monument to that moment. Don't sit around and be negative and pessimistic and, and doubtful and fearful. Sometimes people that you're around, the hope that they will see from you is your countenance and your words. If the company's downsizing and everybody's complaining, just look and say, wow. God really loves you. They'll look at you funny. This is introducing Jesus to them. This downsizing is going to send you to a better job. We're going from glory to glory. Oh, I know it looks dim right now, but the light of God is about to shine. And what are we called? We're called to be carriers of the light. He's the light of the world. We're called to carry that light and shine light and hope into people's worlds. That's what we're called to do. 
We're called to be different. Not in a weird way, strange way. We're not called to be better. We're called to be different. Circumstances don't land on us the way they land on people without hope. Situations and difficulties don't land on us that way. Because we possess a faith. We've, we've met Jesus. Jesus knew who we were. He put a destiny in us before we were ever born. The challenge with the world is not Jesus knowing who they are. It's the world knowing who Jesus is. And quite frankly, the church has not done that great a job of introducing Jesus to the world. We've introduced a dictator, a judge, and a lawyer, attorney. Don't take that wrong, Connie. I love you. Uh, we've introduced the wrong Jesus to people. Jesus is not mad at you. He's not mad at the world. Matter of fact, he is the great attorney who's arguing your case for you. He is up in heaven, the Holy Spirit. He's an advocate. He's standing there and he's interceding. And that's what he does for us. We're not called to argue with the world. We're called to show love to the world. I hate it when I see people blasting other people on social media. Social media is a great tool. It really is. Matter of fact, people are streaming us live right now, if we're not down, on Facebook. We've got people streaming. It's a great tool. But when you use Facebook to slam and defame anybody, even somebody that is not a good person, either in the side of the world, maybe the popular opinion is not great, it doesn't do any good to blast them. What does it change anybody if you're mean to them? It changes nothing. And so then it becomes a weapon instead of a tool. But the tool is when you're needing prayer, you say, would you all pray for me? Or I got a great story to tell you. God is good. And all of a sudden we start pointing out the positives. It will start changing the atmosphere of a room, a home, an office, a business. It will change everything. And that's introducing Jesus to the world because that's what he came to the world to do. How many of you know the only people that got mad at Jesus were religious people? Why? They had their 600 laws. They had it all figured out. They said, we know who God is. I don't think they did. At least according to what I read in the scripture, Jesus came and he was in all the wrong places with all the wrong people. According to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Because he came to his own and they didn't receive him. They were his own. And they rejected him. Because they had already established their own laws based on their insecurities, trying to achieve a build a ladder to heaven or a way to God. When Jesus said, I am the way. You can't build a way. I am the way. I've come to make a way. Second thing is not only, not only produces hope, but contrast. A glimpse of heaven changes everything when you see what God has done. That he's gone to prepare a place for us that where he is, we might be also. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If not where so, I would have told you. I've gone to prepare a place for you that where I am you might be also. This is the love of God. This is the God I'm talking about. Light and darkness, oil and water. I mean, just the list goes on of the contrast. And we are called not to present ourselves as better than others. But present ourselves as lovers of others. Because just because you're saved and I'm saved or whoever's saved... We're not better than anybody else. We're just different. 
I used to be lost, but now I'm found. I'm not better. I'm just found. I want to help other people get found. And like the pearl of great, he said, sold everything to look for the pearl of great price. He looked. He wanted us. He looked for us. The story of a ticket taker in London. And he was at one of the big London stations and just masses of people. I've been there. And, and uh, it's just hustle, bustle, people pressing, people walking, people worrying, people scowling, people thinking, people trying to get to where they need to go, get to work on time. And he, he, day after day, he was an old man, day after day, he'd watch the people, the masses go by. And he would see faces. He was looking at people. He was a people watcher, and he had to be because that was his job. He was selling tickets to people to get on the train. And every day he would see this one lady walk by. And every day that she would go by, she would smile. She was different than most all of the other people. And one day he was outside the ticket collecting booth and right in that same area. And he just, because of the thick windows, he could never talk to her. She just passed by. She had this pass and, and she just go to get on the train. He never had to sell her anything. So he never got to talk to her. But one day on the streets, he ran into her. And he went up to her and he said, excuse me, ma'am. He said, I'm so sorry. She said, he said, but I just got to tell you, thank you. And she looked at him like, who are you? And he goes, I, I, I know you don't know me. He said, but I, I just got to tell you something. Every day, I see you walk by my collection booth. And he said, I just was so attracted to your smile and the kindness of your countenance. And he said, I just every day looked for your smile as I saw the masses in a hurry and angry and and pushing and pressing he said you just there was something different about you and then one day i noticed that you had a a bible in your hand so i went and bought myself a bible and he said i read it and because of you and because of that bible i made jesus the lord of my life she never spoke a word to him she did not introduce him to Jesus, but her countenance and her smile introduced Jesus to him. It's not always the words we say. It's not always the wisdom we possess or the passion that we own. But it's the life that we live. That in the face of chaos, in the midst of the hustle and bustle of society and the rush and the press and all of the things that we deal with, we have been introduced. Jesus has introduced himself to us. His love, his light, his grace, his mercy has been made known to us. And as a result of that, it changed us. You and I are called to be just a, a little portrait of heaven. What will it be like? When there's no more conflict, no more sorrow, no more tears. Let me tell you, everybody wants the same thing. We do. We don't want war. None of us do. The warriors, those that we honor today, they didn't, they didn't want to kill anybody. They didn't want to be killed. But they had to battle for freedom. 
Why? They wanted freedom. They wanted peace. It's something we fight for, and we come at it from different directions. But the reality is we all want what heaven holds. No more sorrow, no more death, no more sickness, no more conflict. We all want that. We're fighting for that. But the only way in the midst of all of this chaos that we can bring any hope to the world is to be that light shining in darkness. When people disagree with us, when we don't agree on different fronts, whether political, religious, whatever it might be, religion, Bible, doctrine, whatever it is, I'm never going to be able to convince somebody that Jesus is love unless they see Jesus' love through me. I can't do that. I can't put out, point out how wrong you are and how sick your theology is and how politically incorrect you are with any hope of you seeing heaven unless you see it in my smile and my kindness. And I present to you, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Let the Holy Spirit have an opportunity to speak into the hearts and lives people but let him do it by using you walking in the fruit of the Holy Spirit with love and joy and peace and patience kindness gentleness faithfulness meekness and self-control let the world see that fruit in our lives there will be all kinds of people in the days months and years to come that will come to Mosaic Church and because of our name, they're going to be a chip off a different block. But there'll be a piece to the portrait that God is painting in this beautiful church. Amen. Bible says, don't grow weary in doing well. Our testimony speaks of opportunity to people. It should speak of opportunity. You have an opportunity to change. You have an opportunity for something different. You have an opportunity for a different experience. It's an opportunity. We can't go around issuing mandates. We've got to go around issuing love. Leighton Ford said, evangelism is sharing the story of one who changed my story and your story. When my story and your story collide with his story, God's story, that's when conversion happens. I used to think I didn't have a story to tell. I was five when I accepted Christ. I didn't rob any banks, never did any drugs. I thought if I had a big story, I could be a great evangelist. Then I realized most people have ordinary stories. But God has an extraordinary story. And when that ordinary story collides with an extraordinary story, you and I can live an extraordinary life. Don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Close with this. As long as you live, as long as you live, remember these words. His story lives through you. Or let his story live through you. What? So loved the world. Didn't come to condemn the world. That's his story. That's our story. People grow old only by deserting their ideals. Years may wrinkle the skin, but to give up interest wrinkles the soul. You're as young as your faith, as old as your doubt, as young as your self-confidence, 
as old as your fear, as young as your hope, as old as your despair. In the central place of every heart, there is a recording chamber. So long as it receives messages of beauty, hope, cheer, and courage, so long are you young. When your heart is covered with the snows of pessimism and the ice of cynicism, then and only then are you grown old. And then indeed, as the ballad says, you just fade away. Pessimism, cynicism. Don't give up hope. Don't give up faith. When you tell your story, tell it through the filter of Jesus and grace and mercy and forgiveness. Tell that story of the one who changed your life. The one who made a difference in you. The one who changed it all for you. People are attracted to that. And I know that this message would be probably one of the most critiqued messages that I would ever preach, though I try to preach most this way. I want the world to know about Jesus. Not about me. Not about their sin. But about his blood that was shed to overcome that. We shed for all of us. None of us are good enough to go to heaven. None of us ever will be. But Jesus said, I am the way, and I have made a way. And if you'll look this way, you'll walk this way. And if you walk this way, you'll be with me in heaven. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All who confess him. You say, what's my responsibility? Because a lot of people say, well, you're getting off easy. No. Acknowledging our sin is a big step towards humility and realizing we all need a Savior. And that's what God is looking for. That's why Jesus came, to draw us to him, not to beat us down, but to lift us up. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. He didn't say, I'll drive all men to me. He said, I will draw all men to me. There's a difference in driving and being drawn. That's the reason that he's a shepherd not a cow herder. He's a shepherd. Shepherd leads sheep. Cattlemen drive cattle. Thank God he didn't call us cattle. He called us sheep. He said, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to draw you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to lead you. That's what he came to do. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, thank you that you sent your only son to set us free. Jesus, that you did everything you were sent to do. You completed the work. Your words were, it is finished. You didn't say it was over. You said it was finished. All the work that needed to be done was done. And now we have a choice to make. To call on your name or to walk away from your name. Draw those who are lost today, God. Draw those who have been so self-condemning that they've given themselves no hope. I pray today that they would find hope in this message. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you have yet to say yes to Jesus and you know that you should, that you want to, you desire to, would you simply lift your hand up right now and say, pray for me. I want today to say yes to Jesus. Those of you watching online as well, we want you to say yes to Jesus today. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. We want you to be able to say yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. 
Let's all pray this prayer with those who lifted their hands and those online who wish to pray this prayer. Make Jesus Lord. Say, Jesus, today I repent of my sin. I turn towards you instead of away from you. I call on your name and I declare today that I am saved because of the work of the cross. And I thank you for that, Jesus. Amen.